Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Matthew, if you want to come on up, man. Grab that mic. We're in the transition moment here. Here, I'll grab your seat here. Uh, get comfy, my friend. Get comfy. You know, as we're doing this, uh, it's dangerous to have two preachers up on the stage because that means the sermon's twice as long. So get ready. You're absolutely right. That's why we brought snacks. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. <laughs> he's, he's definitely not. Are you going lower? We're going higher, lower. Lower, higher. I feel like we're on the prices right. <laughs> higher, higher. Well, is this awkward? Yeah, it's very awkward. It's very awkward. There you go. That's that's good. Lay back. All right. Excellent. Hey, hi. These are spinny. So uh, you have two people who have almost ADD, and so if we start moving like this, just let it happen. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you don't who don't know, this is Matthew, uh, Matthew Kirkpatrick, um, and uh, this, bro, this is. Uh, this is your last Sunday with us, man. It is. It's the last Sunday. Wow. Yeah. It's hard. It, uh, I'm seriously. not dying, though. <laughs> I hope <So>. not. <laughs> I feel like you went up higher. All right. Well, it's, I'm short. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- this is your last Sunday. You've been with us uh, six years. Six years, yep. What's going on there? I don't know. I feel careful. like there was a bat in the... Wow, it's weird. Okay, you've been with us six years. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you... Um, th- this is this is not going to be like the typical Sunday morning. Uh, this is not the typical sermon. Um, in fact, this is kind of drawing on uh, when we were in COVID uh, back in 2020. Matthew and I, uh, we generally have conversations in the office about uh, many a number of things, and we often go, "Dude, that's a podcast. We need to have a podcast on that." So during COVID. Uh, where none of you were here, um, we we started a, a podcast. It's called yeah. the Sly Podcast. Uh, salt, light, and yeast. Salt, yeah. light, and yeast. And there was nothing sly about the podcast. It was pretty much everything was off the cuff. We, we got a fan in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> they are online. You can go. You can go back uh, to Spotify. <laughs> it's going to be really hard to bring that back, Brenda. He's going away. <laughs> there you go. Hey, maybe. I yeah, know. no. So, uh, first, I, I'd like to just kind of reminisce a little yeah. bit, if, if that's all right. Absolutely. And then we're going we're gonna to go into some practicalities and, and some lessons. Um, you know, I'll say before we, we kind of jump into it, right? We, we recognize that not all of you have been here for the last six years. Some of you uh, have only been here maybe a few weeks. Uh, maybe this is your first Sunday. I don't know if there's anybody first Sunday here. But uh, so maybe that feels kind of awkward for you a little bit. Um, but there's some lessons, I think. Yeah in connecting to a body and connecting to a people and the longevity that can be produced as a result of it. So uh, if you feel like this is kind of awkward, uh, I understand. Uh, and we're, we have a saying here, we embrace the awkward. We embrace the awkward, that's a plumb line here. Right, we embrace the awkward. And so uh, it's only awkward until it becomes normal. Yep. Uh, and then, then this is what you get every week. <laughs> well, not this, you get this. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So over the six years, Matthew, um, man, what, what are some shining moments that, that you just, that you remember that just stick out from your time in the youth group with your time with the church? Um, what are some shining moments that you remember? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot. Um, I've grown a lot through the last six years being here. Um, believe it or not, pastors grow too. Uh, pastors learn too. Uh, their faith develops. Uh, even as they get called to minister, they too are developing in their faith. Uh, and so there's been a lot of transformation for me. And so 
Um, some of the things, right, and uh, not to embarrass anybody, but I'll probably give a few shout-outs throughout the, the time here, but um, some of the things that I've learned as a, as a pastor that I'm taking with me uh, from this place is I really feel like I learned to pray uh, at Wapak Nass. Um, that was something early on. Um, we had even talked about it. I mean, I, I know how to publicly pray, and I could do it as a profession, but here's the other thing about being a pastor is, is you're both a professional but it's also personal. Yes. Uh, and so as a profession, I could perform um, and I could do the thing that I needed to do. Um, but to really know how to pray personally, um, I feel like I really didn't learn um, until I came here. Um, or like, tell us yeah, how you learned. Yeah, yeah. That. So that's so Sunday night uh, when I first started coming, we were getting together. There was a group of folk, um, our, our Sunday night prayer group called Encounter. And we would gather usually in that back corner over there in the sanctuary. There were two big, very big. Two long orange pews in this beautiful orange sanctuary. Um, (laughs) And we would would just gather for 30 minutes, 45, an hour maybe. Um, And we'd share prayer requests with one another. And then we'd usually have a few directives of these are things we're praying for the church for. Um, But one one of the things I remember that really formed my prayer life was Eugene Fisher... Every time it would come to him, uh, he would say, I'm just praying for more of the Lord. I just need more of him. And that was, that was it. There was no extra words. There was no fluff. There was no added um, you know, extrapolation of, of some wonderful theological phrasing. It was just, give me more of the Lord. That's what I need today. Um, and that changed my perspective on what that moment in prayer was really about. Yeah. Um, and if an 80-something-year-old man could be praying that, I probably need to be praying it as a 33-year-old man. That's right. So, And, and I remember uh, Jim Johnson really sticks out for me. Yeah. Uh, if, if you did not have the privilege with Jim Johnson, he, he was just like Eugene, a man of prayer, but he often would say, um, if, if we're going to pray, we better expect God to answer the prayer. Absolutely. Then if, if you're not expecting God to answer, then why are you praying? And he would tell story after story after story with this anticipation and expectation that God is going to move on behalf of his people when you pray. Yeah. And, 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 and I, the sentiment is it, I learned a lot about prayer and what it means to have a conversation with God from the people yeah. on Sunday night. Yeah, which is, which is weird, right? The pastor should have been the one teaching the prayer. Right. But it was you all teaching the prayer, right? Because we're in it together. Everybody plays in the kingdom of God. Just using all of our, all of our plumb lines here. All our plumb lines. Yeah. Plumb lines. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, we're right under the plumb. Um, what, what other highlights have you, like, fun moments, yeah. chaotic moments, highlights? Oh, I mean, there's, there's so many. There's too many to go through them all, but right. um, you, you all don't know some of the, say antics, but <laughs> mostly controlled antics uh, that happen uh, if you've been a part of youth ministry as a teenager, you kind of know what I'm referring to. Um, but on a, on a given uh, New Year's time frame, usually it wasn't over the New Year's Eve, but we would often do a, a late night or event here with the teens. Um, and we'd play games. We'd laugh a lot, eat some junk food. Uh, and then the highlight of the night was always, and it's been for a long time, before I even came here, this was the highlight. So I just kept the tradition because Sandy Gessler had already started the tradition of hide and seek, uh, and and yeah, some of the people who were not teens when I was here uh, know what I'm talking about. And so, well, uh, everything's dark in here; it's blacked out. Um, the whole church building, and we just play hide and seek for like three or four hours. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, because um, it's just you don't get enough of it. And there's just there was always fun stories to tell. I would uh, in this room specifically, we had all the pews set up. I would like to throw people off and really make people worried. Because they'd come through from one doorway to the other. And there was always, there was always a few teens who were scared of the dark. They didn't want to tell you that. Mm-hmm. They were scared of the dark, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. And so I would wait for them to run across the little gleaming lights between the doorways. And I'd be sitting over here on the floor in between the pews. And I'd take a little pen and I'd throw it at them. <laughs> and watch them squeal as they ran through the other doorway. So that was always fun. Pastors tormenting teenagers. Um, you mean youth ministry isn't boring? That's right. Um, that's fun. Uh, you know. All, all those events, all those activities, all those um, events away with the teenagers all were filled with fun moments, and they were filled with, with really gratifying, life-transforming moments, too. Like I said, yeah. 
uh, you know, I grew as much as I was hopefully imparting growth in others, um, challenged by things and, and questioned things. And so, um, man, there's just, there's so many, I, I could go on and on and on about fun things, but, um, really the, the biggest thing was, I think to boil it down was the people made it fun. The people made it fun, right? It wasn't the event. Uh, it wasn't the activity, um, because we did a lot of activities in, in the youth ministry specifically, and we do it in, in big church too, um, that don't require a lot of glitz and glamor. There's not a lot of production behind it. Um, it's just fun because the people are fun. You all are fun. You're fun to be with. You're fun to engage with. Uh, you're fun to build relationships with. Um, and that's what makes the moment so special. And some of you don't know that. It's time to step into that because you are fun. You're a lot of fun. What, what, your youth ministry, um, there was a handoff from, from Sandy to you. And um, about a year in, year and a half in, there was a moment in the youth ministry where you had grown it to like four. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the, and I think there was a pivotal moment for you with those four. Yeah. Do you recall that? Oh, man, I recall. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, so there was a lot um, that happened in that point. So the, the, first, the first event that we went to uh, as a youth ministry was fall retreat, which we have happened this last November yes. or beginning of this month, this month, um, which on the district, our largest, fall which was our largest ever, yeah. right? We took 14 teenagers that year. We took two, uh, to fall retreat. Um, and, uh, and that was, that was good. I was fresh. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to figure out the teens. That was fine. And then we went to teen camp that next summer and teen camp. We brought, I don't remember now, six or seven teens to that. Yeah. But I remember sitting, there's, there's always a point in these kind of services where there's kind of a, an emphasis of like, hey, now's your chance to, to solidify your faith and, and move and take some kind of pivotal uh, transition in your life. And I remember sitting at the end of that service, and I don't know, still to this day, I don't know totally if there was anything internally in those teenagers' hearts that God responded to in them or, or they responded to God in some way. Um, but none of them told me about it and none of it was public enough that that I didn't know any of this was happening and so I remember sitting in that service at the end of the service in the sanctuary space there um, kind of just going woe is me right I've I failed I don't know what I'm doing uh, I'm not a very good pastor yeah. um, all those kind of negative self-talk things that maybe you've experienced in your own life in some way uh, but I remember thinking man I've just done it all wrong and uh, another youth pastor came up to me I'm getting to your question because no, you were asking yeah. about about those four teenagers, but another youth pastor came up to me and could tell I was just, you know, in that self-sulking Ohio State lost to Michigan kind of a moment. <laughs> Man, and, uh, push the knife in just a little bit more. Thanks. I really don't care about either team, but uh, that's beside the point. Uh, and so this other youth pastor comes up to me, and he's, he's sitting down, and he's talking to me, and I'm telling him all this stuff, right? And he goes, you know, it's not your responsibility to make the teens grow in their faith. Right. And I said, hold on a second. <laughs> I was hired to be their pastor. And he said, yeah, but it's not your responsibility. That's right. I said, well, why not? He said, well, look at Scripture. Does Scripture say that anywhere? I said, well, it's the responsibility of pastor. He said, it's not in Scripture. The Bible doesn't tell you that. The Bible says you're responsible to do all you can to help those grow, but you're not responsible for actually making them grow, right? You Ooh. listen to the parable of the sower, and the sower's responsibility is to sow the seeds. Correct. Sower can't make the seed grow. He can water it. He can make sure it's in good soil. He can do all the things necessary to allow it to have a chance to grow, but he can't make it grow. Right. He told me this, and it changed my perspective. Here again, my perspective shifted. And so coming to those, those Wednesday nights when the youth ministry, and I was still in that kind of state, right? Because I don't want to paint the picture that, like, you get a clarity moment, and you, all of a sudden everything in your life just changes, right? Because you're like, oh, well, I understand now. No, you still kind of... The habits still yes. hang, right? Yes. Uh, that self-negative talk still hangs a little bit. And so I'd come back from a Wednesday night. I remember so many Wednesday nights. I'd come home from youth group, and I would just feel like I was a failure. So many Wednesday nights, back and back and back and back. There'd be times when I was just like, yeah, what am I even doing? Um, this isn't right. And so I remember, though, there was a couple of weeks where we sat down uh, on Wednesday night, and it was 
Ethan and Brendan Cope, it was Nathan Wisner, and there was another <laughs> revolving player of one or two other teens that would come in and go out. Um, Alizé was one of them here and there, um, but those three were the ones that were there pretty much every single week. Yeah. And I remember sitting down and talking to them and saying, here's the deal. Why are you coming to youth group? Why do you spend time coming to church? Why is this something that you cut out time in your day to do? Yes. And they started digging into it a little bit. And we spent time and um, digesting what's the purpose of church? What's the purpose of our gatherings? What's the purpose yeah. of, of all of this? Why do we come together on Sunday morning to sit in the sanctuary when we could be doing anything else and could have stayed home in our warm beds for a little bit longer on a Sunday morning, right? Why do we do all this? Right. Um, and they began to unearth the realities of why we do these things, that Christ has transformed us, um, that he's created us for purpose, he's created us for relationship. Uh, and so if you've seen uh, on our scroll on Sunday mornings on the screens, the, the youth groups uh, meeting on Wednesday nights call engage. That's what we call our Wednesday night activity. And right below engage, it says God, people, culture. Um, because those are the three things that we are engaging with, not just on Wednesday nights, but primarily on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Uh, we come together to engage with God, to learn about him and to learn from him, engage with one another and build relationships. And then that leads us to a place where we engage with culture. We gather together so that we can. Hey, thank you. There you go, Greg. Yeah, that's it. One of our teams. <laughs> we, we gather together in order that we can scatter and transform the culture. Uh, and so that was the reality that they helped unearth. Uh, and from that point on, they began to bring other teens and other teens started to stick, and they learned each other's names, and they invested in one yes. another, and then they started hanging out with each other at school, and then other kids want, you know, and it just continued to grow and grow and grow from there. So a couple things I want to tease out of this, because um, I think it's really important for you to pull some lessons out of here. Um, one, you mean to tell me it's everybody's per our personal responsibility to grow their soul? Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. So that means, one, this idea of the church is not feeding me. Now, there's a reality to that. Right. But I think often, we're going off the cuff here, because I think often here, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think often here what people will say is the church isn't feeding me which gives them an excuse to get up and leave. Right. And without asking themselves the, the question first, where are my practices? Where are my disciplines? Am I not feeding myself? And quite frankly, how long have I been a follower of Jesus? And, and, and it, shouldn't I have this figured out by now? And if I can say it, am I helping the church to feed other people? Boom. Am I responsible for the feeding of others? Oh, yeah. Or am I holding back the gifts that God has given me Bingo. and not allowing him to use me by being connected? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that is such an important uh, aspect to, to your spiritual growth as a human being is that you're taking responsibility for you in your own heart and that when you come, it's an overflow of what's been going on in you. Yeah, granted, I, I understand the concept of, man, this church isn't feeding mm -hmm. but we often have to look at ourselves first. Yeah. So l let's kind of transition here. Your life is in transition. Uh, you won back in 2022, January, February, in front of March. It, it's been a while, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you were deployed locally. Yeah. Um, you were driving back and forth. Uh, from your home to basically Dayton and Cincinnati mm -hmm. and, and, and areas south um, in Ohio. And then you kind of reacclimated and had a reentry moment. And then you got the phone call in April hey, you're heading out to the sandbox in, in August, in yeah. September. And you took off. Uh, basically, your last day here was August 4th. And you didn't return until October. Uh, second or third of 2023. So you were gone quite a bit. And the Lord was, was doing things in you, through you. Yeah. Doing things in you. 
specifically to what's led us to this morning. Um, God has called you in a, in a new direction. Yeah. And so what I would like to, to learn and for us all to learn is, one, what were some of those practices, those spiritual practices? Now, there's, there's the term discipline, and none of us like discipline, so I like to use the word practice. Um, but what were some of the spiritual practices while you were in the sandbox and in the last like month and a half, two months as you've been really shifting through yeah. this? What are some of the things that have enabled you to hear the voice of God in your life, to know what direction he's leading you, and to step into that? Yeah. Again, a lot. Uh, <laughs> yes. A lot. So, in, in the in between of those two, in between my local mobilization and my overseas deployment, I had my third child too, right? So there yes, was there was plenty of familial transition that was going on at that time too, um, and so my my family has carried a brunt um, of sacrifice along the way as well, um, and so the I'll also say this another caveat. When God called me to be a pastor, I thought that that meant that that was the, originally, I thought that that meant that that was the superseding call on my life, right? That the first and foremost thing is that I have to be pastor. Um, but what I've recognized and what I've realized over the years is that what God called me to first was to be faithful. Yes. Faithful for me means, I think, that I'm to be a pastor. Um, but faithfulness is what he has called me to, first yeah. and foremost. Um, and so I am thankful that part of the faithfulness journey has allowed me to be the pastor here for the time I've been the pastor here. Yeah. But being faithful to God is not necessarily, I say stagnant, but I don't mean that to come off with a negative connotation, but it's not necessarily a, a, a uh, what's the other word, not dynamic, static. Yes. It's not a static thing. That's better than stagnant. It's not a static thing. It is dynamic. It is, yes. Um, and so to come to the end and then go back to answer your question, sure. um, for me to be faithful to God's dynamic movement in my life and God's dynamic movement in the world, my response to that had to be a yes to a transition from the staticness yes. of my service here in order for my service to go somewhere else. Correct. Um, in order for God's work to continue in both places because this was God's orchestration. So uh, when you come to ask the question about how do I discover and, and ask and discern God's will and his, his movement, there's several things, right? Um, and one of them we've kind of already teased out a little bit, uh, but obviously prayer is, is an essential element. Um, and not just a prayer of, because I think, I think it's easy for all of us to say, well, God, show me the answer. Yeah. Right? Um, that our prayer is, God, just tell me and I'll do it. Right? I want to do it. Just tell me. I've been there. I've said those prayers. But I think when our prayers become a moment and an act of surrender, mm -hmm. rather than a God, tell me what to do, those are two different things. They are. Very clearly. And God begins to speak in the acts of surrender. And that's what that, that prayer, Lord, I need more of you, is, is a prayer of. It's a prayer of surrender. Absolutely. Uh, it's a prayer of, I'm not trying to do this my way. I don't want to do it how I think to do it or see to do it. And so when we can learn to surrender. And so I think that's the first thing. When, when we try to discern God's will, I am a, I'm a man of plans. I am a man of calculations. I am a man of analytics. Yes. I like to figure things out <laughs> and be strategic about how I'm doing things. But I don't always understand the strategies of God. No. I don't. Um, I mean... God is beyond mathematics, right? Let's, let's get theological here for a second, right? We believe in a triune God, three persons in one, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, one plus one plus one equals not three, but one. That doesn't, that's not math, right? But that's what we believe in our faith. Yeah. That's what all, all of Christianity for all of time has believed in this triune God. And so... God's strate strategery. <laughs> strategery. Yeah, if you remember, you were there. Uh, strategery. Weapons of mass destruction. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, God's strategicness 
is beyond my strategicness. Yes. And so when I'm focusing all my efforts on crossing the T's and dotting the I's here again, I find myself missing out. This is, this is just Matthew talking. Yeah. But I find myself missing out on what God is doing because I'm so hyper-focused on trying to pin him down and say this is it um, when he's got more behind it than that. And I, I think that speaks to our humanity in the fact that we often come to God for the outcome. Yeah. Right? Rather than, so outcome is the lowest level of thinking and the lowest level of prayer. And process is the, the, the next level. Like, there's a process that you're trying, God is trying to work out in me, right? But beyond that is essence. Yeah. That's the highest level. When we're talking about engaging with God, even with a person, it, it's essence to essence, and it's engaging with presence. Yeah. I think that's where your, your surrender aspect and, and his strategy, his strategy in your life is you've moved beyond the outcome and you move beyond the process. You want his presence. Yeah. The only way you're getting presence is through surrender. Yeah, that, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we believe in a God who created all things, we believe in a God who has existed before all time and will exist after the time we know exists, then it stands to reason that we're not going to be able to understand by reason God. Right. Yeah. We can't. So To a certain point. We, we can understand parts of him and aspects of God, but we can't understand the fullness of God Absolutely. entirely because there's always more of God to be given, to understand, to discern, right? Here again, goes back to that prayer. Lord, I need more of you, even at 86 years old, because I haven't learned all of you yet. Yeah. I haven't figured it all out. And so when we surrender, we see and we get more of God. God gives more of himself to us when we surrender. Um, and, and I think the, the only other thing I'd throw on that as far as discerning, um, listening to those around you um, who know you and see things in you, and allowing them to speak those things into you and not just shrugging them off, like receiving the things that people are giving you. Um, and I, I mean specifically more so receiving the things that people are saying to you in a complimentary kind of fashion. Like when somebody comes up to you and says, man, I think you've got a gift for da-da-da-da-da. I see this in you. I see this in you, right? Yeah. I, I see a capability to lead. I see a capability to teach. I see a capability to whatever. When somebody says that to you, don't shrug it off and go, no, nah, that's not me. Yeah. That's this guy. Well, maybe that's that guy too, but maybe it's also you, right? Uh, and so allowing, here again, that's an act of, it's a, it's a surrender thing. Yeah. But it's receiving those things that people are saying about you, to you specifically, um, and then allowing God to do something with that. Um, because I had many of those conversations over that time period this last year where people said, man, I really think, you know, you, you really should be leading a church yourself. Like, uh, and it was nothing. They, they knew no context of this church at all. Yeah. So it was not any kind of slight to your leadership or this no. church or the congregation or anything like that because they don't know this place. But they just said, you have the capacity, hmm. the leadership ability to lead. Uh, and so I could have easily just said, ah, it's not me. Uh, but I think I would have missed out on what God was trying to speak to me through those people. So what's the difference? Um, What's the difference between that, where you're listening to, to people around you, versus you're asking everyone around yeah, you yeah. their opinion on your direction? Yeah. Because, quite frankly, um, what you're sharing here is um, comes straight out of Proverbs of, of wise counsel, uh, iron sharpening iron discerning uh, voices and circumstances because you've surrendered, right? You're not yeah. worried about outcome. You've, you've surrendered that. How is that different than you're just calling everybody up and, hey, what's your opinion on what I should do? Yeah. Of, of the, we'll just say 400 people that I interacted with, either through digital means or through face-to-face -face conversations over that last year, there was probably only four or five that I would ask that yes. question to, those kinds of questions to. Yes. 
right? So the people you ask and you seek are probably, and most likely should be, a much, much smaller segment than the people that you engage in relationship with in general, right? right? Wise counsel is not a gift that everybody has. But some of you do have wise counsel, right? And so if, if you've got wise counsel and somebody says, I really appreciate when you give me advice and when I come to you and you share something with me, own that. Yeah. And if that's not you, that's okay. God's given you another gift. Find the other gift, use the other gift. Yeah. Um, and don't worry about being the wise counsel because there's wise counsel. So uh, for mu much of my experience personally, I did not seek it out, right? Um, it was... It was given to me without my request um, by those four or five individuals. And then I would continue to engage with them as the conversation got deeper and more involved. Um, because I knew that they were tapped into something that I wasn't quite seeing the same way as them. And I needed their counsel to help me see what was going on. There's, there was a, there's, there's a particular scripture that you and I were, were talking about um, discerning and, and direction that that really stuck with you and that, that you rooted yourself in. What, what was that, that scripture specifically and why that text? So there's lots of scripture stories that I have. When I came here six years ago, um, I often told them that I was feeling very much like a Moses in the wilderness kind of a place in my life and in yes. my ministry and um, that we were seeking to be faithful and I was trying to lead people in faithfulness, but I didn't really know how we get to where we're supposed to go kind of a thing. Um, and through that developed Exodus 30 into Exodus 33 uh, where, where God finally comes to Moses and says, yeah, now it's time. You're going to go to the promised land. Um, but the Israelites have continued to over and over and over again screw things up and be unfaithful and, and question God and they're constantly grumbling and, and God comes to Moses one day and he goes, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you uh, because if I go with you, I'm going to strike you all dead because you're stiff-necked people, you're stubborn, you're hard-headed. Wow. Uh, and, 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 and That's these, an inspiring scripture. This inspiring right? scripture, it's in there, Exodus 33. And Moses comes back to God and says, God, remember you're a faithful God who loves us. Yeah. Remember your promise to us. And also, if you don't send us and go with us, how will anybody know that you are the God who freed us from Egypt? How will anybody know that you are the God that's leading us if your presence isn't with us? Yeah. Uh, and so it became the prayer for the Israelites many, many years ago that God's presence would go with them. And ultimately, you read the story in Exodus 33, God says, yes, absolutely, my presence will go with you. And they go into the promised land, they take out Jericho, all the story unfolds from there. But that became the prayer of my heart is, is if this is something I'm going to step into, I'm not going to step into something that God's presence isn't in. Yeah. Right? Here again, the professional, I could, I could plan my life strategically as a professional pastor and make moves and transitions and treat it like it's a business and say, well, I need to go here to get this experience so that I can get to this and, and da, 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 da. And there are pastors who live that way. There are, um, there are churches that function that way. Uh, that's not what I want. Uh, that's not what I think God is calling us to because here again, my chief goal in life, my first thing is to be faithful yes. before being a pastor. And so if I'm faithful to God, then that means I surrender to God. And that means that my first uh, requirement for anything that I'm going to do is that God's presence goes with me. So that, that became a major part of it. That was your second sermon here. Yeah, it was my second sermon here. Um, it was the presence of God going with me um, and, and continuing to ask for God to send his presence with me. Yeah. How about this time specifically? Israel. Yeah. Let's transition out. It, it's funny because I didn't expect it. But maybe the Bible scholars would expect it. A few chapters later, Joshua chapter 1, if you know the story, Joshua takes over from Moses. Moses doesn't go into the promised land. Ultimately, I think Moses as the leader, I, 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 won't, I won't go there. There's another sermon there about Moses and his leadership. And I think Moses was celebrating as he died on the mountainside, watching the people of Israel go into, into the promised land. I, I think that's what's happening. A lot of people think it's, 
Moses is like, oh, woe is me. Yeah, but no, I think he was, he was like, yes, awesome, way to go. This is exactly what we want. And he, anyway, he he turns the responsibility over to Joshua, who had been Moses' aide for many years. I don't know how long he was his aide for, but many years he'd been with him by his side. Yeah. Um, And so the thing that Moses keeps saying to Joshua over and over and over again is be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. This is the end of, of Exodus. Moses is saying this to Joshua. Let me just read that. Yeah, go for it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to, your, to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Mm-hmm. There's that Exodus 33. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go. Yeah. And so we can hypothesize yeah. why be strong and courageous was repeated so many times to Joshua. Mm-hmm. Was it because Joshua was not strong and courageous and he needed the reminder? Or was it because he was strong and courageous and it was just calling out something that existed in him? But either way, the command to be strong and courageous means that there are things to be fearful of on the journey. That's right. The journey is scary. Yeah. Right? Because courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to move even in spite of the fear. Absolutely. And the uncertainty. Yeah. And so it was a reminder that the thing I'm calling you to is something that is greater than you. It's greater than you understand. It's greater than, than what you've experienced up to this point. Yeah. And there's something that is ahead that is going to be beyond what you feel like you're ready to take on. I, I want to be clear. That that's a call that, that God is calling each and every one of us to. Yeah. Something beyond yourself, something greater than what you've known and what you've understood in your life. And that, back to our dangerous prayers. Mm-hmm. Faith or risk is inerrant to faith. Back to your parable of the sower. Yeah. That sower is risking I've often thought maybe that was a haphazard farmer who just didn't realize, like, bro, put it in good soil. Yeah. No, but the parable of the sower really does show that, that, that you need to be strong and courageous as you're, you're risking what you have invested in and you're costing it out. And hopefully that's going to pay a dividend. But, yes, there's good soil that you want to put into. Yeah. And so um, I, I totally agree, like, for all of us, um, this is this is a statement to us as well. Be yeah. strong and courageous, because you're right. Um, no matter what you're about to step into, there's an element of fear. Mm-hmm. And, and and like we said several weeks ago, um, there's an edge on which each one of us stands, and that at that edge, that's where fear and courage collide. Yeah. And for us, we've got to take that step. You've you've taken that step. What there's always a cost. And so you're... Since 572... You're a cal- to, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> since you're a person who calculates cost, you're, you're an analytical person. Yeah. What are some of the costs yeah. to stepping out into this new direction for you? Well, I think I, I shared some of these two weeks ago, if, if some of you were here, if you've listened to it online. Um, this is the longest, here again, personally... I've ever attended a church in my life. This church, you all, um, are the the longest uh, church family I've ever known. Um, And maybe that seems weird um, to you because six years isn't really that long. Some of you have been here at this church uh, for many, many, many decades. Uh, Praise the Lord for that. And others of you are are new to this church too, and and you're looking for a place to cement and dig in. But this church has been um, the longest I've ever known a church. And this community is the second longest I've ever lived uh, anywhere. 
Um, and so. Where was the other? Uh, Colorado. Okay. Um, Parker, Colorado. Interesting. Um, and so the longevity of time for me, that's yeah. a significant uh, milestone. And, and I shared two weeks ago that one of the things that growing up as a military kid, moving around every two, three, four years, um, I always kind of wanted for, for my children was a sense of stability yeah. um, and connection. And I, I've talked to people and I know people that like, I mean, I think about, I, I don't know. I, I know people who like, they still know their first grade Sunday school teacher. You know what I mean? Um, I don't even remember my first grade Sunday school teacher's name. And maybe you don't either, but I know people who go to the same church still as those people, um, that those people are still pouring into them and investing wow. in them, right? In, in different ways, yeah. um, but I know those stories exist, and, and this part of me that said, man, I want that for my kids. Yeah. Um, and this is the only church that um, Oliver and Quinn, my two youngest, have ever been a part of, and it's the only one my oldest, Dean, even knows, because um, he was two when we came here. And so... That is a sacrifice that is mine, but not even fully mine, yes. uh, which in some ways as a parent makes it more painful because I know I am requiring of my family to sacrifice something that they're not necessarily choosing to sacrifice themselves. Yeah. And my wife's giving me a thumbs down. <laughs> She's probably crying over there too. Which yeah. actually um, is a good question here. Yeah. Um, how has your wife been integral in this discerning process? And, and yeah, oh, I mean, if to the, if, to the if, yes, yes. Right? If if my wife had said no, it wouldn't have just been a happy wife, happy happy life thing. But it would have yeah. been a that's God saying no, like that's that's how clear it would have been for me. Um, we have established ourselves since day one in our marriage that that God and the direction of God is the most important thing in our lives. And it was her that continued to affirm in me as I went into my wilderness experience before coming here. Yeah. Uh, and there were many days where I thought, man, I'm just going to give up on ministry altogether because it wasn't working out professionally. I wasn't getting a job. I couldn't get hired anywhere, yada, yada, yada. I don't need to bore you with all that. But that was about four and a half years where yeah. – I was like, what's going on, God? Like, I've said yes to everything you wanted, and now you're not giving me the result. There's, no, mean, there's no end here. You mean sometimes saying yes to God, it doesn't work out smoothly? Yeah, it, it doesn't always. <laughs> um, but my wife was the constant reminder there uh, that the Lord has called you yeah. um, and that he's faithful to those he calls. Um, and when we came here, uh, I was really nervous about moving here because I've moved around um, all over the place. Um, yeah. And living in Ohio was cool because I'd like check one more state off my box of states I've lived in. Um, and her, she's only ever lived uh, in, in uh, south suburbs of Chicago, uh, in Illinois, her whole life. She grew up there. Her family lives there. And so I knew moving here was going to be a big deal for her. Uh, and when we left here that Sunday that we interviewed with the board, we came and visited the yeah. church. Um, you throw, you were throwing ping pong balls out that Sunday. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about yeah. spiritual gifts. <clears throat> we uh, were. And you threw one. I was sitting right about where Bailey's sitting right there. You threw one out that way, and I caught it, and I flipped it around, and it said teaching. <laughs> <laughs> so great. It was such a weird moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and so I still have that ping pong ball. It's in my boxes I upstairs. I saw that, yeah. Uh, and... Um, when we left here, anyway, that Sunday morning after, after service, after lunch, we were driving outside of Wapak, and my wife said, I feel like we're leaving home. Now, for somebody who's never not lived in her home, right, right. like that is a strange statement. Um, yes. And for me, who doesn't really know what a home is, I don't know, this sounds sad, uh, but doesn't really know what a home feels like, <laughs> and I don't, uh, if you've been there, if you've been there, you know, you get it. You need it, a hug. Right? Um, <laughs> Some, some of you vets know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I felt that same thing. Yeah. A and that assurance, God doesn't always answer things the same way. And it was, it was different here. Yep. But there was still that sense for both of us yeah. that Zanesville was where we were to be. Um, that that was home. Yeah. Um, 
And I know that that sounds weird with everything else we've shared uh, <laughs> and everything I've said about the difficulty and the transition and the yeah. fear and, and all those things. Um, but when we surrender to God, God reveals stuff in us that we would never have unearthed or revealed in ourselves by ourselves. Correct. It's the world says look inward to discover you. Scripture says look upward and you discover you. Yeah. And you, the Lord reveals a lot of things about you that you never knew were there. Yep. Good things and some not so good things. So uh, we're going we're gonna to tie a knot here. Um, I'm sure there's some questions that they have, so I'm going to try to, do you have a place to live? I have a tent. <laughs> it's a big family tent. You got lots, uh, You're so, staying with the Moses theme, bro. Yeah, so honest, honest, wow. honestly, we're, we're, we're in a good place, but okay. nothing's finalized yet, nothing's right? Finalized, so uh, right. our house here is on the market. It's under contract. Hopefully it sells here uh, in the coming days. Um, and then uh, same thing with a house in Zanesville. We're under contract, hoping it all goes through smoothly, and, and we'll be able to make that transition, um, get out of this house before we have to be out of it so that we can get into that house and so, so on and so forth. do you kind of have a moving day? It would probably be the weekend of December 15th, 16th. Put that in your calendars. We're going to help this guy and his family move out. Because so I'm too stubborn to hire movers. That's what my wife just said over there. I guarantee you she just said that. Yeah, Ethan's saying yes. I guarantee you she just said that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one, one thing that, that you're going to miss about, about Wapak, not, not, not this church, about Wapak. What, what's one thing about Wapak that you're going to miss? That you're like, ah, oh, I can't do that. Can't be There's that. a really great coffee shop on Water Street. Uh, <laughs> what's the all right those gifts over there <laughs> they're going back <laughs> i love you man um oh, so no good. I, I i think some of the things that we'll miss just about the community is is some of those aspects of um just the investment yeah. the, the the relational investment um honestly one of our favorite places in this town if you haven't been connected to it you should get connected to it is the library. The library is phenomenal yes. in Wapakoneta. Yes. Uh, it's one of the best libraries I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and I know that sounds like that's a weird thing to be praising, um, but I'm really truly impressed with the library and the caliber of things that they do and they accomplish at that library. And so uh, that's been a, a great resource for our kids. Yep. Um, and, uh, and they got lots of resources for families too. And so um, that's, that's a great community plus that we're, we've literally talked to said, man, I hope the library is half as good over there as it is here. What are, you, what are you most proud of thus far, six years of ministry here? Um, most proud of, well, yeah, it'd probably be that back couple rows over there. Um, those teenagers, yeah, Jimmy and, and Adam specifically. Uh, <laughs> those, uh, <Okay. laughs> those teenagers and the other teenagers sprinkled throughout the room, right? We've got some other ones sitting over here. Hi, Chloe. Whoop, whoop. Hi, Caleb. Uh, we've got other teenagers sprinkled throughout the room too, but, um, man, it, it is such a privilege. Uh, you know, if, if parents of those teens are in this room, thank you, uh, for entrusting me yes. for a couple years to love Six and years, be a bro. spiritual, Six. yeah, not a couple, be a spiritual mentor for your teenagers. Um, that is not a responsibility I take lightly. Um, and so I'm, I'm appreciative that you've allowed me to do that. You've entrusted me with that. Mm. Um, and you, you guys have seen, if you've been here very long, you've seen these teens. Um, the Lord has gotten a hold of their hearts. Um, he's doing things in them. Mm -hmm. They're saying yes and surrendering plans. Yes, they are. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. And uh, Proud of them. Us, us old folk can learn something sometimes um, from the hearts of teenagers who are willing to risk it. Mm -hmm. They're willing to risk it uh, when we're calculated and we're decision-focused. Um, so I'm, I'm really just so thankful uh, for those teenagers and what they've meant for me. Um, how they've helped me grow. Outside of your your jobby job here, right? What's one aspect of ministry that has impacted your life? Um, even even if you were doing it, but yeah, has yeah. really impacted you and, and grown you. The the biggest one would be life group. Um, 
our life group, uh, it's transitioned, it's shaped and, and changed at times. We've got yes, different people that have come in and gone out, uh, but everyone that's been a part of the life group I've been a part of on Monday nights um, has played a role uh, in my growth, in my development. Um, I've shared things with them um, and vulnerability uh, that as a pastor, there's, there's sometimes here again, there's a wall yeah. to, to being vulnerable, um, mm -hmm. but they've allowed me to be vulnerable um, and be authentic um, and talk and make way too many wrestling jokes uh, when we should be focusing on scripture. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's just been a really good, uh, good group for me. So if you were, what advice would you give to someone first stepping into this community um, for the very first time looking to uh, find a place to connect with people but grow spiritually yeah. like would, would life group be that life and i'm not life, trying to like, no no, no. Life, but life group would be that um because we listened to on our way back we were in illinois this weekend for thanksgiving and um yeah. we on the drive back we listened to the audio book for uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer beautiful uh, yeah, beautiful i was that'll be our new life group i was falling material asleep next, but, next but if year. you know the story right you know that there's the island of misfit toys right this is a huge <laughs> part of the yes. of the of the story of rudolph um and I've always felt, right, I'm going to talk for myself here, I've always sure. felt like I don't really fit the mold of my generation. I don't really fit the mold of, yep. of any kind of group necessarily. You're I'm not really my language. Yeah, right? I'm not really a jock. I'm not really a nerd, but I'm, I love superheroes. <laughs> listen, listen, you, you spend some time around some real nerds and you come find me because that's a different game. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but at any rate... Um, this group, right, and, and the life group uh, has allowed for a place for misfits to fit. Yes. Man, that's so good. Right? Um, yeah. And I think that that's not just true for a Monday night group. I think that's true for our other groups, too. Absolutely. Right? There's um, zero question about that. And, and here again, this goes back to the first question you asked me, yeah. you know, what makes, what are some of the highlights of, of my time here? Is you all. You all have made it fun. Um, because you welcome people and you love people and you care for people, uh, you're authentic, you're genuine, um, and that makes a difference. Um, because you don't always find that, even in churches, you don't always find that. You don't, you don't. Matthew, on on behalf of of everyone here, um, and all those that that you've impacted over the last six years, um, I want to say thank you. Thank you for saying yes to be a part of this team, a part of this family, a part of the misfits that we call Wapak. Because it, we are, as Nikki coined many, many years ago, this is a place for misfits. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful uh, for the teammate that you have been uh, along the journey. And uh, I'm I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss you. Um, I'm gonna miss your your ability to see things that need done and you do them um, without being asked. I'm gonna miss the ridiculous conversations that we have where we're we should be working, but we're we're having a, an hour and a half conversation about nothing, but turns into something, and we yeah. both walk away with. We should have made a podcast. We should have <laughs> made a podcast. Um, I, I'm just going to miss, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. I'm going to miss you, and I'm going to miss your family. I'm going to miss your wife and your kids. Um, and so thank you. Thank you. For answering the application or the, the job position on the clergy board. For a town I had no idea how to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to invite Chris up, if, if you wouldn't mind. Um, Chris, come on down. Um, yeah, she's been a partner. She's really been a partner um, in ministry with you. Yep. Um, here at Wapak Nas, come on up. Yep. This is this is why we have a platform. I know. Um, Chris is Chris. I, I just want to um, say to you that. Um, it has been phenomenal to watch you step into God's call in your life through the last six years. Uh, I, you showed up a little anxious 
little worrisome. Is this really going to work out? And uh, over the course of the last six years, you have genuinely um, grown as, as a woman of God, um, as a follower of him. And the, the wisdom that, that you have retained and been able to impart to people, whether it's a teenager or a mom or, or anyone just dealing with, with life, and I don't need to unpack that. You, you exert that wisdom that God has given you. And it's not book learning. Um, yes, you're in a lot of books, but it, it really is, is a wisdom from God. And thank you for being a leader. Um, she's been a part of our leadership team for the last, like, forever. Um, because we, we had to ask for an extension for the whole team. And, and you, you've been really integral to making a lot of things happen. Thank you for serving through Tapestry and our teenagers, and you've really connected with our ladies, and you've just loved them where they are. Um, not necessarily what they can be, just where they are. And then that unlocked a lot of who they could be. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for serving upstairs um, forever and, and really bringing, bringing your own flavor to it as well. So we want to say thank you. You've, you've been integral here. Um, we're, we're not just... Losing him, we're 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 gonna lose you too. Well, you you're being sent. I, I gotta reframe that. We're sending you too, and we're grateful for you. Um, obviously, there's some things under the tree over here for both of you guys. And no, it's not from the place on Water Street. <laughs> <sighs> it's another knife he threw in there today. Um, but before uh, we have. Holy moly, there's yep. a lot of food over there. Please take. Um, before we partake into some sugary goodness over there, um, the most important thing, the, one of the most important ways that you can love someone is you pray for them. This is why we have a plumb line that came out of seven or eight years ago. Pray now. And pray later. Because if you don't pray now, you will not pray later. You won't pray later. That is a plumb line because we believe it. So when you say, oh, I'll pray for you, that's your moment to pray for them. Whether you're in Walmart or at the WAC or at Cafe Amore or at Winans or McDonald's or at the school or at the courthouse, we're going to pray for them. So I'm going to ask that both of you just kind of come down in that space there. Yeah, you're going to put that here. I'll take that, bro. Thanks, man. And uh, I'd like for those teenagers first to come and surround them. Yeah, you guys showered, I hope. Yeah. And then once the teens roll around them and wrap around them, um, if you have been impacted in any way, shape, or form, from these two, I'd ask that you just surround them. And if you're not comfortable with coming up, it's cool. We, it's all right. But if you would, uh, for those of you, just come on up. It's okay. You can make your way up. People allow you to do so. <coughs> and if you're not comfortable with coming up, where you are is great. <clears throat> and I strongly encourage you in this moment, but even in moments that we pray during service, just don't listen to me, please. Will you pray? Will you go before the Lord on their behalf? Would you mind doing so? Bow your heads and your hearts, please. Heavenly Father, God of all glory, God of goodness and holiness, God of the sacrifice, God of grace, God of love, God of power, God who is personal, we call on you on behalf of Matthew, Chris, 
Dino, Ollie, and Quinn. We call on you that this is a moment that we have moved into and we're transitioning out. This is six years that we've moved into and that we've lived and we're transitioning out. And they're about to embark on something new. It'll feel a little old hat, but it'll be new. God, you are a God who makes things new. And Lord, in the coming weeks and months, as Matthew and Chris are making this transition, and they're trying to feel it all out. God, you are the one who is consistent. So I ask that they cling to the rock that is higher than them. And Lord, as they are faithful to you, you reveal your faithfulness first to yourself and then to them. Holy Spirit, will you empower? Will you equip? Will you explode on Matthew and Chris in the moments where they're thinking about the past, but they're trying to move forward? God, may your spirit lead them. I hold on to the words that Paul, we live by the spirit. and Therefore, we walk in step with the spirit. May Matthew and Chris walk in step in the Spirit. Lord, will you expand Matthew's capacity to lead, but also, and more importantly, may expand his capacity to love and love like you. In the next months, may he just love his people by listening to his people as if whoever's in front of him is the most important person in the room. And Lord, will you shepherd through him? Will you provide him grander vision than what is already in place? Will you help him see things as a leader that no one else sees? And then, Lord, will you help him draw the congregation into that vision? But ultimately, Lord, and I have no doubt that Matthew will do this, may he not only stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but may he preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not with persuasive words or man's wisdom, but by your Spirit. Lord, we ask that for Chris, as she is being mom and wife, but also student. God, will you center her with you? Will you help her do the projects that she needs to do efficiently and effectively? And Lord, will you help her establish herself in Zanesville? Will you open doors of ministry outside of the church for Chris, so that she can impact community very, very quickly through her heart and her gifting and her skill set. And Lord, I lift up Dino and Ollie and Quinn. Yeah, Quinn will probably make a very easy transition. She's a pretty resilient kid. And more than likely, she won't remember any of this. But for Dino and Ollie, this is a transition for them. They need strength. They need courage. They need peace. So, Lord, we ask that you breathe that into them. We ask also that you go ahead of those boys as they transition into a new school. We hope and pray that you provide them wonderful friends that they can connect with, both in the church and in the community. And Lord, will you help Matthew and Chris just love their kids in this time, in this transition. Provide them the place to stay and help them be unleashed from the place here in Wapak. Holy Spirit, we trust you with them. 
and we thank you for them. They have loved much, and we have loved much, and it's been a wonderful exchange between us all. Thank you, Jesus. As for us as a church, Lord, you're our rock as well. You're not going anywhere. May we lean into you in this time of transition. Will you use each and every individual who's a part of this church or who says this is my church to impact the lives within and outside? Rise us up. Elevate us. Raise the bar in our life. And will you use our gifts for the betterment of the other person? Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we trust you because we're surrendered to you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we ask. Amen. Folks, would you please stand? I'm going to send you off here in a moment, but you are more than welcome to stay and hang out um, and have some goodies over there. And if you have cards or anything for Matthew and Chris, you can lay them under the tree. They can pick those up later. Um, thank you for investing in them. Um, and, uh, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul, your mind, and your strength, and will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Goodies are over there. Grab some, hang out, have conversation. Matthew and Chris will be here just to hang out. We love you. Have a great day. Go Bengals. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.